Yes, greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. It is time for another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. I am always your humble yet awesome host, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting, Michael Shibley, with you here. Hope you guys have had an amazing week. It's going to be another big one. We've got, of course, crazy Sports news all around the world, playoff news, controversy, protesting, and wildcard stupidity in the WWE. So we've got all of that to break down. And of course, it's Mother's Day weekend coming up this week. So happy Mother's Day to my mother out there. I know she's listening and has given me a five-star review, which everybody else out there needs to do wherever you listen to the Modern Day Gladiators podcast as part of the Outlander Media Network. You guys need to head over to outlandermedia.net. That's where you can hear all of the podcasts podcasts in one place. You can listen to Halfle, DLC Respawn, Deadbeat Radio, Phantasm, and more. We got other great podcasts that are on their way to the network, so be on the lookout for those. And of course, wherever you get your fine podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify, all the Outlander podcasts are there. Just search for your favorite one, including Modern Day Gladiators. You can find it right there. Rate, review, subscribe. Those five-star reviews, that's how we get out into the algorithms and help it get and word spread. And, of course, comment. We want to hear comments from you. I'm happy to debate with you on any of these topics I come up with. And you guys uh, can do that, of course. Interact with me personally on Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley. Just slide right into those DMs if you want to. And, of course, give us a like on Facebook at Modern Day Gladiators, and give us a like on Instagram, also with Modern Day Gladiators. So plenty of ways to interact with us, and of course, again, rate, review, subscribe, send us all of those comments. We want to hear from you, and again, we'll love you forever the more five-star reviews that we get. It helps spread the word. But let's get into it out there in the world of sports, and of course, the big thing going on here is in the United States is, of course, the playoffs with the NBA and the NHL, and we'll get to UEFA Champions League in just a moment, which has been far more entertaining than all the other playoffs. Even though the NHL playoffs have been better, they're going to Game 7s, a lot of Game 7s, a lot of Game 6s. That's been a lot of fun. The NBA playoffs, though, are what are driving things right now. Of course, the games have gotten better, even though the ratings are still down. It's really... Not good that LeBron James missed the playoffs. You can debate how much you like him, dislike him. LeBron James moves the needle when he's in there. The ratings have shown that. Also, right now, the Warriors are about the only team that really also move the needle when it comes to playoff performances right now. And they're on the verge. They're in a tough series with the Houston Rockets, which I thought it would be. They're tied up two games to two, but they've got their game. But then the Western Conference game... After that one, uh, Denver-Portland, the last time they both played on the same night the uh, on Monday, Golden State and Houston, that had twice the rating that Denver and Portland had, and also Golden State and Houston was the later game that time. So things to be on the lookout for when you talk about ratings and what's moving the needle. I think the NBA has to do a better job of getting these personalities out more and getting people more access to it, except when you have LeBron James, who, yes, you might have other favorite players, and yes, Steph Curry's out there, and James Harden's out there, and you know Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, all these other guys, Giannis Antetokounmpo is out there. 
they're doing ads, they're doing all these big things, yes, but LeBron James is still the big dog. He is the guy, and with him not in the playoffs, people are looking elsewhere for things really right now. But again, the games have gotten better. This Golden State-Houston game is a rock fight. Klay Thompson, for some reason, has gone away. He has not been good at all in this series, so we'll see. It's tied up two games to two, both teams defending their home court as it goes back to Golden State for Game 5. We'll see where it shapes up and what happens here. Of course, Game 5, you got that advantage. Then three games to two in a seven-game series. You just got to win one. The other team's got to win two. So we'll see what happens there. Meanwhile, the other series going on, the Denver-Portland series has been very good. That four-overtime game a few games ago was just amazing, except the fact that the game ended at, like, two, which is just... You know, I got stuff to do in the morning. I got things to do. I can't just stay up and just exhaust myself watching all of this all the time. Still great games, but man, that's just on way too late. But Denver is up three games to two in that one. The Toronto Philly series has been hostile. Both teams definitely not liking each other, but Toronto has now taken a 3-2 lead, destroyed Philly last night. One of the bigger surprises to me has been what the Milwaukee Bucks have done to the Boston Celtics. Now they are up three games to one. Giannis Antetokounmpo has been dominant. After the first game disaster where they lost by 20, the Bucks have been dominating over the Celtics, which is making Kyrie Irving go more and more insane. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. But that's how Giannis, the Greek freak, becomes a well-known player. Because again, people aren't watching him in Milwaukee. He's going to be the MVP this season, most likely. And the fact that no one's paying attention to Milwaukee that just shows where they are. If the Bucks go out, beat Boston, and shut them out in five games, and then go on and get to the finals, then you make your claim, and you can be that next big thing. We'll see where it goes. It's going to be really interesting to see. I'm rooting for the Bucks. My mom's from, was born and raised in Milwaukee. I have no qualms with them. No real rooting interest for either of them. But hey, it'd be fun to have a completely different champion than what we've had the past twenty years or so in uh, the NBA. So let's go. Let's see what happens as this all shapes up. And of course, we'll talk all about them in the playoffs as we go through here on Modern Day Gladiators. Quickly to the NHL. The Bruins knocking out the Blue Jackets four games to two. So the Blue Jackets' immortal run after knocking out the Tampa Bay Lightnings is over. The Bruins continue to keep that hope that Boston can hold all four championship trophies at once because the Red Sox won the World Series, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Doesn't look like the Celtics are going to make it out of this round, though. Of course, they're down three games to one, as we just mentioned, but the um, but the Bruins are still in it. The Carolina Hurricanes sweeping the New York Islanders four games to nil. The St. Louis Blues, one of the first of the first NHL expansion group, they're still the only one of those outside of the original six, to have not won a championship. So St. Louis has got a little bit of a sentimental favorite when it comes to that. It'd be cool to see them win. They knock out the Dallas Stars in Game 7, 4-3. That game went to double overtime, high drama there. And then the Sharks and the Avalanche playing a Game 7 tonight as of this recording. The Sharks and Avalanche again tied 3-3, going it 
to a game seven. So again, high drama, hockey man, overtime, playoff hockey is some of the best high drama you're going to get on a consistent basis in sports. And that is just wonderful. You talk about high drama though. Let's talk UEFA Champions League. As I've mentioned before on these podcasts, what they do in the Champions League in the knockout rounds is both teams, they play a home and home series and then the aggregate goal total between both of those games, whoever has the most goes on to the next round. If you have an away goal, the more away goals you have, the better when it comes to that because they weigh more. If you have three goals and three goals on aggregate, but one team has an away goal, the team that has the away goal goes. I think I've made the most sense out of that. We'll see what happens here. Anyway, what happened? Barcelona had the first leg of the series with Liverpool that they had here in the Champions League semifinals, and Barcelona behind... Uh, Lionel Messi, Mr. Amazing, Mr. Awesome. He had two goals in that one, and Barcelona went up three to nothing on aggregate, taking the series then back over to Liverpool. Liverpool needing four goals to knock out Barcelona. If Barcelona got an away goal, then Liverpool would need five goals to win on aggregate. You follow me here? What ended up happening? Oh, also, Liverpool didn't have their best player. Egyptian star Mohamed Salah was injured. He was not playing in this game. And Liverpool comes out and blitzes Barcelona 4-0 to win on aggregate 4-3. An amazing, amazing moment. I had it on at work. It was just crazy to watch that game and just especially what happened there early in the second half. They got one goal in the first half, but then they just went nuts and just went crazy against the Barcelona defense. I haven't seen much like that. The only other craziness on a level like that I saw was when Germany just beat the snot out of Brazil uh, during the World Cup there in 2014. But other than that, I hadn't seen much like this on a high level of soccer like this. It was great to see a great scene there at Anfield in Liverpool and uh, Liverpool advancing to the finals of the UEFA Champions League. Here's how much of craziness that it was. Liverpool's a great team. If they beat the Wolves in the Premiership on Sunday, they win the Premier League. So they're a good team. They're not a bad team by any means. But betters had Liverpool advancing, the chances of them advancing before the game at 30-1. to That's how a long shot that was to happen. And they were able to do it being down 3-0 and without their best player. So hats off to Liverpool. Should be a great final in that one coming up in June. We don't know who they're going to face yet as we are recording this. Tottenham and Ajax are facing off in Ajax. Uh, Ajax, they have the advantage. They are up one nothing on aggregate, and it's an away goal. So Tottenham, of course, it's at Ajax. So if they get one, you draw it. We'll see what happens there on aggregate. But craziness, of course, in your way for Champions League. High drama. Cannot wait to see what happens there. So that's all the high drama and craziness happening in the world of playoff sports. Now we're going to move to something that not everybody follows all the time, and that's horse racing. We all follow the Triple Crown. We all watch those three horse races a year, and my oh my, something happened for the first time in the history of the Kentucky Derby. 
the winner, the horse who crossed the finish line first, has been disqualified. The first time in the 145 race history of the Kentucky Derby that that has happened. It did give NBC the highest ratings they've had for the Kentucky Derby since 1990. It was up also 20% from last year, so you've got plenty of Kentucky Derby parties happening around the country. But what happened, if you guys haven't known, Maximum Security, it was a 9-2 odds on him. He crossed the finish line first, leading wire to wire, but an objection was issued and the win was overturned after a review as it looked like that maximum security drifted out and impacted other riders. Uh, And then it was given to the second place winning horse, uh, and that was Country House at 65 to 1. Country House winning the Kentucky Derby after about a 22-minute delay as the stewards had to review the footage. And again, it took a long time, and we've talked about this when it comes to basketball replay review and how it just lengthens the game, but they got the call right. It was a 22-minute delay, and people had no idea what was going on. Betters had to hold their tickets, all these different things. But Country House was then deemed the winner, and he gets the uh, Garland of Roses. Of course, it was kind of anticlimactic because they were all standing around waiting for the decision, and then they get to celebrate, which was just weird. It, it was one of these things, too. When you look at it, again, the call was correct. It, it, it was interesting when you look at all of this because, again, you have plenty of people, including the president of the United States, decided to weigh in on this because who knows what he knows about horse racing. Again, most of us who watch this watch three races a year. You watch the Triple Crown races, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont. That's it. The people in the know said that they got the call correct. They said if this had been like a $10,000 maiden race on a Thursday during regular horse racing season, this call would have happened. It would have been right. It would have been overturned in about two minutes. But they took their time. They got it right, which, again, is what we all want. We all want fairness, but we don't want it to take so damn long. So, again, it's it's this world of uh, hypocrisy and all this crazy stuff. And, of course, horse racing we know has not been on the up and up all the time. But you got to hand it to these stewards who did the right thing and reversing a call. It's like having the final play in the Super Bowl being looked at with this much controversy and do the people have the gall and the chuspa to make the right call and get the call correct even though it takes the title away from somebody and gives it to somebody else. President Donald Trump tweeting that he he was disagreed with the decision. He said political correctness is what made them reverse it, which I don't understand. I don't know where the political correctness is in all of this. So I, I don't know what's coming out of his brain with that. I defended Donald Trump last week talking about def- with Nick Bosa and sending him congratulations there. This one I completely disagree with. Also talking about uh, that the best horse did not win. I could make a lot of popular uh, vote jokes right now. Not going to do that. But you know, there you have it. Uh, I again, they got the call right. It was the first time they've ever had to do this for disqualifying a Derby winner, and it was just crazy. And again, people. Another thing that people came up with and were talking about was they were comparing it to a NASCAR race because that's the frame of reference that a lot of people watching this have, where the old adage back 
in NASCAR's rubber is rubbing is racing. And, you know, you bump into people, you do different things. It's different when you have live animals instead of automobiles. It's different when a horse crosses a lane and impedes the other horses, causing them to check up like that. You can get a disaster. They always talk about, especially at Talladega in NASCAR, you've got the big one where it's just a huge, crazy pileup, a lot of cars involved and wrecked and out of the race and everything like that, and who's able to weave their way through the big one. You do not want that in horse racing at all because then the horses, a lot of them end up dead or have to be put down. You have all these crazy things. It's a black eye for the sport, especially at the uh, Santa Anita racetrack in California, there have been a lot of horses that have been dying in races and training accidents, and they haven't found the exact cause for it yet. So it's not been good for horse racing right now with that. So again, they got the call right. At 65-1, to 1, uh, Country House was the second longest odds to win the der- Derby since Dunrail uh, went off at 91-1 to 1 in 1913. So... Again, bettors lost approximately $9 million betting on Maximum Security, who was one of the top betting favorites going into the race. So you have all of that. You had a bunch of people searching trash cans and searching the floor because a lot of times, if you've ever been to a track, they've got their betting slips, and then if they don't win, they rip it up and throw it away and just deal it because it didn't win. But people had to hold their tickets for so long because of this, and people were trying to find winning tickets because they did not expect Country House to win it. Now, I talked about how great ratings were for the Kentucky Derby. Well, they're going to suck for the Preakness, and I'll tell you why. Because both Derby winners, the horse who crossed the finish line first, technically, maximum security, is not racing in it. Also, Country House has said, the trainer has said the horse is becoming sick. He's got a cough and a viral infection, which is the same type of of sickness that uh, took Omaha Beach, who I, if you remember, I mentioned on this show last week, I said was going to win the Kentucky Derby. Of course, Omaha Beach was scratched because of being sick. All three of those horses, the original betting favorite, the horse that crossed the finish line first in the Kentucky Derby, and then the horse that officially won the Kentucky Derby, all three of them not going to be in the Preakness. So the Preakness is going to be terrible when it comes to ratings and getting people to watch it. I'm going to watch it because I like watching the horse racing. I think it's a lot of fun. My wife loves horses. We watch it together. It's jolly good times. But casual people, definitely not going to watch that. So it, it's just a mess. It's the first Derby winner out of the Preakness since Grindstone had to withdraw because of injury back in 1996. So no shot at a repeat Triple Crown with Justify last year, and then Country House does not have a shot this year. Of course, a lot of people are claiming, again, we'll talk conspiracies on Halfle. This is not a conspiracy show where they're thinking Country House might not race again because the trainers and everything, it was a 65 to one shot to win the Kentucky Derby. If country house comes out and runs in the Preakness or even comes back later when it's not sick and runs in the Belmont and it comes in dead last, the breeding value of that horse is going to go all the way down. That's going to drop because that's where the real money is when it comes to horse racing. So there you have it. That's my opinion. Could be wrong. Again, you want to come back at me, follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley and slip me a comment there and I would love to have a debate with you on 
all of this. But we got to thank, before we go to break, we've got to thank the newest sponsor of Outlander Media. We have to thank Joe Shirt, an East Tennessee original since 1985. Joe Shirt has been designing t-shirts. They can do mugs. They can do banners. They can do all kinds of things to help you and your company look great or your sports team, however you want to do it. You can do it by phone, online. They've got plenty of templates to talk about. You can upload your own design. You can work with them. They've been doing this again since 1985 locally here in Knoxville. We got to thank them for being the newest sponsor here with Outlander Media and for all the podcasts involved. You, of course, can check them out at joeshirt.com. Get all the information there. Work with them. They ship all their orders free. Orders ship in days, not weeks, so you can check all of that out. And, of course, we're going to have a lot of great merchandise from them coming to Outlander Media, so check that out in the coming months. But, again, thank you, Joe Shirt, for sponsoring all the podcasts here on Outlander Media. And with that, we're going to go to break. We'll be back with Shibbles and Bits here on Outlander Media. You're listening to Modern Day Glass. Gladiators. You know it's time for Shibbles and Bits. Let's get right to it. Congratulations to A's pitcher Mike Fires for throwing his second career no-hitter versus the Reds last night. 2-0. He stayed out there for 131 pitches, which is a rarity now in baseball, especially with pitch counts and analytics and all that other fun stuff that they're doing. No-hitters are going to become, I think, a little more rare than they have been, at least individual no hitters. We've had some team no hitters, but individual ones are going to be a lot more rare unless, of course, they just sit them up and sit them down because you're not going to see many 130 plus pitch no hitters going on anymore. It's Fire's second career no hitter, so congratulations to him. Uh, he's the eighth pitcher to throw a no hitter with multiple teams. It is also the 300th no hitter all time in Major League Baseball. The first no-hitter, of course, as we all know, obviously, you guys are smart people, I'm smart people, we all know this, obviously, it was thrown by George Washington Bradley of the St. Louis Brown Stockings when he no-hit the Hartford Dark Blues on July 15th 1876. The U.S. was just a couple of weeks from turning 100 years old, and 11 years before this, the Civil War ended. So that's how long ago that was. So just keep that in mind as we go through all of this. But again, congratulations to Mike Fires for throwing the no-hitter the first of the 2019 baseball season. Moving over to hockey. And it's not the NHL. It's not international olympic hockey it is women's hockey that we're talking about here real quick the story came through last week more than 200 women's hockey players including team usa stars hillary knight kendall koine uh, showfield and canada's marie philip pauline they have announced they will not be playing in professional leagues next season uh this is quoting from all the women together the statement uh we can say we cannot make a sustainable living playing in the current state of the professional game, which was uh, having no health insurance 
and making as low as $2,000 a season means players can't adequately train and prepare to play at the highest level. And by highest level, of course, they're talking about the Olympic level and the international level. And again, the uh, NWHL is the only pro women's league in North America. The uh, competing one they had, the Canadian-based CWHL, uh, decided to fold at the end of last season. And again, I understand the demand for women's hockey is nowhere near what it is for professional hockey, especially in this country. It's a lot like the WNBA with the NBA. The only reason a lot of times the WNBA exists at a lot of levels is because the NBA allows it to. If the NBA wanted to cut costs, they could get rid of the WNBA, I'm sure just like that. So, of course, there are contracts and unions and things. I get that. But women in professional basketball make more overseas. That's why you have so many of these women's players playing overseas and then playing in the WNBA. It's just there's more money there. There's more different things. And it looks like these women are hoping for the NHL to step up, it looks like, and help prop up the NWHL, make better, again, make better living conditions. I understand playing professionally, and again, yes, we're not all going to make millions and millions of dollars playing professionally, but you should be able to make some sort of living wage doing that. You're getting paid $2,000 around that for a season. That's got to be way below the minimum wage when you pad all of these things out. So, and I know people work different jobs while they're doing professional sports. I mean, they had to do that forever in men's pro sports for a long, long time. But you would think there'd be enough interest to at least get them some living wage, especially if the NHL gets more involved, they can market it a little bit better and add it to the NHL network and have it on different things. So again, I can see why they're boycotting. We'll just see where it goes and if anybody really cares in the grand scheme of things. And right now, I don't know if they do. So there you have it with that. Another women's uh, sports controversy we've got going on. Two-time 800-meter uh, gold medalist, uh, Kassler Semenya from South Africa. She lost her appeal against rules by the IAAF, the governing body of track and field, to enforce and reduce her testosterone levels, which occurred naturally in her body. Uh, what's been going on is they made a ruling where... You can only have testosterone levels so high if you're going to compete in these intermediate races. I think it's between 400 meters and a mile, which is just kind of interesting to see how they go with that. And it's interesting because they always talk about it. Uh, Semenya, she is South African, but her body produces more testosterone than normal in a female body. She's she is a female. She has identity. It's not even a trans thing or a change. She's always been and identified as female, and that's what she is biologically. Her body just biologically and naturally produces more testosterone. All women have testosterone. It's not just a, a, a male thing. They do that, but the fact that hers, her body produces more that can give her the ability to have bigger muscles and be able to do certain things like run faster in these type of events. So 
to me, I don't like the fact that now they're making this ruling, and because of this, if she is going to compete at these race levels, she now has to take medication to lower her testosterone, which is something, again, it's naturally occurring. It's, to me, it's almost like you would have to tell Michael Phelps to cut his hands off because his limbs are so much longer naturally to make him a better swimmer than other people. So I just don't like the idea that we're putting these things out there, especially for people who want to go out there and compete very good at what they're doing. And again, to me, the science behind it is, and again, again, it's, it's nothing she's doing to artificially change her body. This has all been naturally done with her. So I just don't like the precedent that this could be setting for other things. And again, there is a whole other world when we talk about uh, identifying with gender identification and changing and going through the transition and all that other stuff that I am not going to get down on a rabbit hole on this episode. We're going to have to devote a whole show to talking about things like that. But again, I just think it's wrong that this ruling happened and all of that. They said it's a discriminatory, the governing body and the arbitration rulers said it's discriminatory, but they say they can still enforce it, which is just weird to me too. If it's discriminatory, you shouldn't be able to do that. So, but again, uh, I wish her and hopefully she's got one more appeal left and I hope Hopefully uh, that will be successful and she'll be allowed to compete at the world championships coming up this year. Moving on to boxing real quick, Canelo Alvarez, the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now, won a unanimous decision over Daniel Jacobs to unify three of the four middleweight titles. We've always had a big boxing match happen, Cinco de Mayo weekend. You always have, of course, the Kentucky Derby that happens in the first weekend in May. You also have over the Cinco de Mayo weekend, obviously celebrating the Mexican victory over the French at the Battle of Puebla in 1862, which is what Cinco de Mayo celebrates. Uh, for those of you who don't know, but they always have a big boxing match. Usually a Latino star, mostly a Mexican, is involved in that. Canelo Alvarez is the best you've got. And he, again, outpointed him 116-112, 115-113, 115-113 by the judges scoring. Alvarez landed 40% of his punches to Jacobs' 20. We'll see what happens. Alvarez has a couple of options. He's got a shot at uh, Demetrius Andrade, who holds the other middleweight championship belts. So they fight, then he unifies all of them, which would be a great fight. And of course, the other great fight would be a third fight with uh, Triple G, Gengeti Golovkin, who, again, they had a controversial draw in the first fight. Alvarez won the second fight, so it would be great to see a third fight between them. So, hey boxing gotta love it when the top boxers go at it it's great and it'll be interesting to see again how this contract that canelo alvarez has with DAZN, which is a streaming service where it's got all of his fights and a lot of other great fights they're doing trying to do away with pay-per-view in the form that it is so we'll see how that all goes but this could be awesome to see and again congratulations to canelo alvarez chalking up another belt in his already hall of fame career Moving really quickly to Tennessee action on the diamond. The 23rd ranked Tennessee baseball team lost two of their three games versus Missouri over the weekend. It was really disappointing on Sunday. They had a pair of leads during the uh, rubber match on Sunday. Couldn't hold either one, lost 10 to eight. They did come back last night and defeat Austin P nine to four. And then that will give them hopefully a little momentum 
moving into a three-game series versus Florida this weekend in Gainesville. Again, Tennessee trying to improve its position and get into the SEC tournament, which will most likely, even if you just get into the SEC tournament, usually the top eight SEC programs make the NCAA tournament. So hopefully the Vols can get in there, and if they prove their position, position enough, they can then go out and host, hopefully, a regional. Meanwhile, the Lady Vols softball team, they won two of three versus Texas A&M to close out the regular season. They are the second seed in the SEC tournament, Alabama, the regular season champion, the one seed, obviously. Uh, The Lady Vols will play the Auburn-Missouri winner tomorrow on the SEC Network. All the SEC softball action happening right now on the SEC Network, so tune in there and check all of that out. Moving over to the XFL. As we look into that, of course, the AF folded. They didn't get a lot of those. They started with really good TV ratings because the first games were on CBS. Everything else went either to the NFL Network or the CBS Sports Network. The XFL has announced the TV deal for their first season starting in February 2020, and they're going to broadcast multi-year agreements with ESPN and Fox Sports to televise the games. They're going to happen on weekly TV broadcasts, so ABC and Fox. So it's going to be on broadcast TV, complemented by secondary games on ESPN, ESPN2, FS1, and FS2. So already the TV deal, I think, that the XFL has garnered with all of this is going to be in a much better position than what the Alliance of American Football was, just because, again, you've got more broadcast TV, which is going to bring more eyeballs. Now, again, you don't have to be a direct competitor with the NFL when it comes to this. If you can just garner a small amount of that audience and keep it and just keep the games good and that audience, keep it interested, you can survive for a long, long time. Look at what arena football did for so long. They've been able to do very well for themselves. So you have all of that. I think the XFL is off to a good start. We'll see if they can maintain it. And again, when the league starts in February 2020, we'll bring all of that talk here again to modern day gladiators. But let's get into the ring because, again, I still am the man in the arena here on modern day gladiators. Let's talk professional wrestling as the WWE has now issued a wild card rule uh, to Braun SmackDown, hopefully to prop up the declining ratings that Raw and SmackDown have had. The wild card rule, essentially Vince McMahon came out on Raw and talked about it. What it is is now you don't have wrestlers that are just going to be on specific brands anymore. A wild card rule means that I think they officially stated four wrestlers per brand could move between it. So wrestlers that are on Raw can now move over to SmackDown and wrestle, and wrestlers on SmackDown can move over to Raw. Sure, whatever. What this really is, when it comes to it, the big one, of course, was Roman Reigns, who had been moved over to SmackDown in the Superstar Shakeup, is now was back on Raw last night or on Monday night, and now you have wrestlers coming over from Raw, like the Usos were just over on. Uh, they moved back over to Raw, but they moved on to SmackDown last night to face uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan in a match for the new tag team titles, which Daniel Bryan and Rowan won. So new tag team champions there. Again, it's a compromise that it looks like Vince McMahon has come to from what I have been able to research that uh, USA Network and Fox, because remember SmackDown is moving over to Fox in October, they are reaching a compromise here because 
USA and Fox both want all the big stars, no matter what brand they're associated with, to be on their shows. Because, hey, that's how you're going to get the ratings. That's how you're going to get them over there. And especially now that Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey might not be part of WWE for some time. We'll see where that goes. And they're wanting to have Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, all the big names on the shows and make it both great for them. Because if you remember the last time they had the brand split in the early 2000s, when they got rid of it, but then what ended up happening was SmackDown almost became an afterthought. It was by far the B show where you had, you had some matches, but nothing interesting happened. And so much of the two hours of SmackDown was devoted to just replays of what happened on raw. And now they've got the brand split again. And now it looks like that might be going away because again, now you're going to have shows on different networks and both of them are paying a lot of money to have it. And now that the ratings have been going down and we've talked about this, they're down to some historical lows. The, the ratings did go up, I think by about a hundred thousand viewers shocker there, uh, this last Monday on raw, but again, we'll see how this all pans out. It's probably going to, what it's going to do is it's going to end the brand split again. It looks like by the time the deal with Fox ends up, uh, with SmackDown in October, but we'll see. And of course we will talk all about this and more on modern day gladiators. But to finish up, we got some great news out of Japan as wrestling Dontaku happened over the weekend. And there were some great matches there. Okada defeated Sonata in another great match. You had Kota Ibushi, uh, retaining his Intercontinental Championship over Zack Sabre Jr., so you've got some good stuff, and they have announced big matches for Dominion, which is like New Japan's SummerSlam. It happens in June, but it's like at the midway point. Like, WrestleMania in the WWE happens in early April, late March, and then SummerSlam happens in late August, so it's kind of the halfway point of the year. Dominion's kind of that thing, because Wrestle Kingdom happens in June, or I'm sorry, Wrestle Kingdom happens in January, and then Dominion happens in June. So it's most likely their their second biggest match. You've had some great matches, of course, between Okada and Kenny Omega over the years. But now you've got another one. First of all, Kota Ibushi Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito are going to face each other again for the Intercontinental Championship. That should just be a great match. It always is. I can't imagine it not being a great match. But then after Okada defeated Sonata uh, and retaining his IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship, a video appeared. Someone wearing a bunch of crazy makeup, it was Chris Jericho claiming and asking for a shot at the IWGP Championship, and he said he's going to win it. So that's set for Dominion. Kazuchika Okada versus Chris Jericho, IWGP Heavyweight Championship in early June in Dominion. We'll talk more about that, of course, as it approaches. Jericho's going to have a great couple of weeks there because, of course, on May 25th, he'll be facing Kenny Omega for the second time. Uh, in the AEW Double or Nothing, and then he's going to be facing Okada. What a great fortnight that's going to be for Chris Jericho. I can't wait to see it, and you know those matches are going to totally reek of awesomeness. And speaking of awesomeness, that wraps up another awesome episode here of Modern Day Gladiators. We will, of course, have more breaking news and everything on Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, like, subscribe, share, five-star reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next week, I'm Michael Shibley. Too sweet. Love you. See you next time. <laughs>